Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 135 of The Weekly List Podcast. And now I need to take a pause and make an announcement of sorts of a shift in this project. Those of you who have been following the weekly list know that through the election, we kept a weekly list that corresponded to a podcast. And then after the election and before Biden was inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, we shifted to a section called After. That was a monthly section for November, December, and January, as well as an accompanying podcast. And then after Biden took the inauguration and and had taken office, we reverted to what I called a return to normalcy, which was meant to track with this podcast our efforts and our time under Biden and his administration coming in to get back to what normalcy was before Trump. Unfortunately, and why I'm announcing this shift, it's become increasingly clear to me in recent weeks that our battle with authoritarianism is not over. And I say that with great weight on my heart for all of us because we've had great news on the coronavirus. We are coming out of this pandemic much more quickly than any of us could have imagined here this holiday weekend. Today is Memorial Day. Uh, That's the good news. And I think many of us, myself included, thought as Joe Biden took office and with Democrats in control of the House and in the Senate and the White House, that things would move back and there would be accountability and things would feel like they did prior to Trump. Uh, That has not materialized, and I share this sentiment with a certain amount of fear for what still is happening to our democracy. And you'll also note that this is the second podcast that we've done in the last two weeks. These podcasts were meant in this period to cover major happenings, and two weeks ago we did a podcast around Liz Cheney uh, being kicked out of House leadership for denying the big lie and being against Trump and telling the truth. Well, now we're doing a podcast because we've hit another major milestone, and that is the Senate's unwillingness to vote for a commission to examine what happened on January 6th, the insurrection. And that is the final photo, if you look at the Weekly List website, Uh, of our capital under siege. And just to put some perspective on things, this is something that I've listened to, you know, post the time that Biden took office and listened to historians and read up about this. And there is no precedent for anything like what happened on January 6th happening in our country's history. The only remote comparable, remotely comparable thing was in 1814, during the 1812 war, when our capital was seized, but not by Americans. That, at that point was at, at a time of war with the British seizing our capital. And here we are, uh, the first time in history, in unprecedented, uncharted territory of Americans. 
trying to seize our capital with an effort and with the intent to stop our peaceful transfer of power, which is the cornerstone of our democracy. You'll recall that we covered in our prior podcasts an impeachment hearing for for Trump and a vote uh, where seven Republicans did vote to impeach. Uh, Mitch McConnell did not vote to impeach Trump over the insurrection, but he I'm going to read you the words of Mitch McConnell as he gave his closing speech during that time. He said, quote, there is no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. And he added, quote, these criminals were carrying his banners, hanging his flags and screaming their loyalty to him. And McConnell continued that the insurrectionists had a belief and based on what they had heard from Trump. And so it was, quote, a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo in false statements, conspiracy theories, and reckless hyperbole, which the defeated president kept shouting into the largest megaphone on planet Earth. That's Mitch McConnell. This week, Mitch McConnell not only voted against a commission to investigate what happened on January 6th, he pressured members of the Senate to do him a favor and do the same. The House of Representatives passed a bill that would have created a January 6th commission, and in the House, 35 Republicans joined Democrats in voting for that bill. It got to the Senate. There was much hyperbole. There was uh, Brian Sicknick's mother met with Republican senators to implore them that her son did not die in vain, protecting them. And you'll recall in our podcast, we talked that many of these senators and members of the House came within steps or minutes of certain death, let alone our vice president at the time, who Trump supporters were putting up a gallows to hang. So all these things were happening. And here we were this past week. There was a vote in the Senate. A lot of Republicans weren't even brave enough to show up and vote. The vote was 54-35. Six Republicans joined Democrats in voting for a January 6th commission. It's the same set of characters, you know, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney that, you know, we see standing up now and then. But it failed. So we will not have a January 6th commission. And leading up to that vote, and something that is important that I... I, put into context here, because again, this podcast is going to be part of an archive that 50 years from now, 100 years from now, people are going to listen to and say, what happened? Well, what's happened since is there have been hearings. Republican lawmakers have likened the insurrectionists to, quote, tourists that were just there peacefully just being out and about. We haven't gotten to the truth. 
We're not even close. 450 people have been arrested. But again, a real lack of accountability. And so a really scary time for our country. To put in some context as well, what it feels like now, we talked in the last podcast about how a good portion, 70% of Trump supporters believe he won. They still think he's won. Uh, There was another poll out this past week that 15% of Americans believe the government, media, and other entities are controlled by Satan-worshipping pedophiles, or the QAnon theory. 15% of Americans. That's as many as a major religion in our country. The poll also found another 15% of more than 5,000 polled said that, quote, true American patriots may have to resort to violence to save their country. So here we are. We're not going to have any sort of you know, bipartisan commission to talk about what happened on January 6th. An unprecedented act. American historians will tell you there's nothing to compare it to. But we're going to leave this chapter. We might have Pelosi do a unilateral House investigation, uh, which will lose a certain amount of credibility with these same people who believe Trump won. (laughs) But we're at the point of having two truths. And I had thought we would repair this, but we are going nowhere near this. No, nowhere near repairing. Fox has regained its stature. People have come back to Fox. Fox has continued to push the big lie about the election. We're continuing to count votes in these fake recounts in two states. Uh, Republicans are continuing to push forward measures based on the big lie that the election wasn't fair in order to suppress the vote. Our history, our country has a long history when people of color finally have a chance to vote (laughs) of doing violent acts to stop them from voting. Our country can be violent. That's what we saw on January 6th. That's what we continue to see in America. Whenever we get to that point, like we did during the pandemic, because of the pandemic, of making voting more accessible to people of color and and following what is the rule of our democracy, one person, one vote. As we get closer to that, violence erupts. So we have the violence on January 6th. We have an inability to get real closure to that, the way we did with the 9-11 Commission that was bipartisan, that Americans believed Because of this vote in the Senate, we can't overstate how important it is that Mitch McConnell, after these words, called in a favor not to have the vote. You know, and uh, just an analogy, when there are two versions of the truth being promulgated in our media by two different parties, that is fertile ground for authoritarianism to continue. Democracy cannot survive when there's two versions of the truth. And folks, here's where I remind you, there is only one truth. There are not two versions of one truth. There's only one truth. A couple of other points I want to make. First off, need to call out what is happening state by state now, out in the light of day with Republicans actively working to suppress the vote of people of color. 
This week in Texas, not only were they trying to roll back improvements that were made during the pandemic to voter accessibility uh, in largely areas where large blocks of Black voters and other voters of color voted, not only were they looking to roll that back, but according to Democrats in the state, in a last-minute addition to a bill that the Texas Republicans were pushing through, they added a provision that judges in Texas could decide and overturn the state's election law, election results. I unheard of. It got to the point where on a Sunday night of Memorial Day weekend, uh, Texas Democrats got up at just before midnight and walked out and left. This was a group of largely people of color and women uh, elected officials that just got up and left. And they're going to fight this. They're going to, you know, force the Republicans to put this into the light of day and then fight it in the courts as well. But those are the kind of fights that are happening. And the other thing that is is happening very actively is efforts to erase the truth. And so you see the importance of this list and this project and this podcast you are listening to in preserving what's happening now. Because if we turn back the clock of time, you know, today is also the unfortunate anniversary of very another very sad chapter in our country or, or, or happening in our country a, a decade ago, excuse me, a century ago, um, known as the Tulsa Massacre, where 300 African Americans were killed by a white mob. And what was known back then as Black Wall Street was burned to the ground, a prosperous area. Everything was burnt to the ground except for three buildings. People were killed. We don't know, when I say roughly 300, we don't know because the history has was not written or it was destroyed. Uh, there were no um, artifacts back then, no ways to tell the truth. The white press reported on the number of white people killed, but we didn't know the truth. And also this week, the author of the 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, was denied tenure at the University of North Carolina. And as much as we've been told about the so-called cancel culture of the left, it was because people on the right had lobbied against her, claiming that her version of the truth and history was not true. And Later, it also came out that a white man who was very influential in the journalism school there and a big donor had also been against her and wanting her efforts to bring our truth forward of history of what we know and recast it in a way that is more reflective of reality. And so what we realize, so much of our history is written by white men and by winners of battles and not really reflective of our truth, of what we have done as a country, of our shames with our treatment of Native Americans, of our treatments of Black Americans. And so you really see now at this point in time that Trump symbolically means to so many people giving up not only what is here in front of us, but forcing them to listen to a version of reality which might not be so comfortable for them to acknowledge and is uncomfortable for all of us, but it needs to be uncomfortable and this reality needs to be told. 
And so uh, this is something that I now wrestle with, even though the list is done, it's in the process of being finalized to be archived along with these podcasts that will tell about our story on the way out. I've come to realize over the past several weeks that my efforts in listing our descent into authoritarianism might only be on a respite to which I will be returning at some future time. And we might be hearing a lot more from me on these podcasts because things are not happening. There has not been the accountability. Joe Biden spoke today, our president, who has done a spectacular job, in my opinion. His popularity is high, even with Republicans, which in this time of increased divisiveness is is really saying something. But he gave a speech today for Memorial Day at Arlington National Cemetery, where he invoked the fact that our democracy was in peril. Uh, And that is something that we're talking about here. And that is something many of us in our country realize. And it has us feeling a sense of helplessness and shrugging our shoulders that we spent four years working to take back the House and the Senate and the White House to bring us back to normalcy. And the fact that Biden is throwing this back at the citizens and saying that democracy is is in peril, it just is a reminder that we are not on the other side of this. I saw one gentleman tweet out, you know, we work so hard to tell people vote, 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 and it will all be okay. Well, we did all vote, 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 and it's not okay. So what now? You know, it's, I, I think we have to be ready for the fight. This weekend alone at the CPAC 2021 conference, Sidney Powell, remember her, the lawyer that helped Trump with his conspiracies about the fake polls and fake election and election fraud. She was at the forefront of that. Um, she said at CPEC that that Trump should be reinstated, <laughs> that he can just walk in, that this is possible. And the crowd all cheered and clapped to this concept that Trump could just walk in, reinstated. The same weekend at, at a QAnon-led conference, Michael Flynn, remember him, the former NSA? All sorts of checkered past and was pardoned by Trump. He told the crowd this weekend that it's time for a military coup like the one in Myanmar, that we should take power back for Trump in a military coup. So this is this weekend alone. (laughs) And we're in this atmosphere again where a good portion of the Republican Party, what is today's Republican Party, believes that Biden is illegitimate, that there was voter fraud, that all of these new voting rules and regulations being put in red states by Republican-led state legislatures are to ensure that the elections are fair. When the reality is, it's just another iteration of efforts to suppress the vote of people of color. In terms of accountability, you know, I I had high hopes for A.G. Garland, and I think Merrick Garland, I think a lot of us did. And some people are saying, you know, maybe he's just got his eye on the prize and the bigger picture and not wanting to bring the DOJ into things that shouldn't be brought into. But there, he, he had two chances to have some accountability relating to actions of 
Barr and Trump and, and dropped the ball on both. The first was uh, on a judge ruling that we discussed last time on the OLC memo and the DOJ's decision not to pursue Trump for obstruction on the Mueller report and why. Uh, and the judge, Amy Berman Jackson, saying they needed to release that publicly. And the DOJ under Merrick Garland going to court and fighting not to have it released, which was troubling. But then this past week, the DOJ again went to bat, this time for Trump and Barr, to not pursue charges for gassing peaceful protesters. And the ugh, my understanding of why was... Well, they're not in positions of power to do it again. And I get the argument that, yes, you want to preserve the DOJ and not put in, you know, have the DOJ attacking itself and set bad precedents. But when will there be accountability? I, I, I believe that if the shoe were on the other foot and the policies were reversed, that Republicans would already have struck down the filibuster. They would have added... D.C. and Puerto Rico as states, they would have made the relevant metric of how to measure the winning of the presidency, the number of votes. Nothing has happened, let alone would they, they would also have codified Roe v. Wade, which is under attack. They would have codified the Voting Rights Act again. None of that is happening. We are almost a quarter of the way into the Biden administration. Biden has done a lot with the coronavirus and relief. But it's very clear now that there's not going to be bipartisan work in the Senate when we can't even agree on a January 6th uh, commission. And it's also clear that we are running out of time and things aren't happening. So it's a, it feels very scary right now. The only remote hope that we've had of some accountability is the Manhattan DA has convened a grand jury uh, that's um, Trump's tax fraud and financial fraud. So we might have some accountability there, but we don't know. But what we have not done as a country is moved forward in a way that is protective of our democracy. I, I think by now, I thought that McConnell and people like Liz Cheney and the Republican Party would come back to their senses because we as a country need to have at least two parties that are functioning and have different ideas on policies. We can argue about corporate tax rates. We can argue about health care. We, we cannot be in a position where we're arguing whether there was voter fraud and Trump really won the election. And that, my friend, sadly, is where we are. So I'm going to close out this podcast with the advice that I am feeling and for myself and what I would advise of you. And that is we have this nice summer. We have some, you know, for the first time this Memorial Day weekend, people are out at hotels. They're flying. They're doing family picnics. Uh, there are playoff games for hockey and basketball and stadiums, excuse me, are full or are close to full. So people are back to some semblance of life as it was. And, and I encourage you to enjoy yourself and enjoy that time and, and, you know, enjoy life and let your health return and your blood pressure continue to come back down and rest up. Because my friends, I fear we are in the middle of this fight for our democracy and against authoritarianism. 
And again, as a historians will tell you, there is no precedence for this time we are in. They are watching this with great academic interest. And the rest of us are watching with interest as well, but we are the ones with the skin in the game that are going to have to fight this fight. So rest up, my friends. Stay engaged, stay tuned, and I'm sadly sure that I will be back soon with the next reason we need to record a podcast. Take care.